Amen. Wasn't last Saturday night amazing? Yeah. Uh, we were, I mean, you saw the videos, you guys were there. I don't know, you guys, that, the, the place that we were having service there at the, the Lutheran Church, um, we all fit in there, and it was a little bit tighter than this. And it actually was pretty cool to have everybody right together. And so, I don't know, maybe we should block off the back here or the sides or something. Or maybe we should just all invite three more people every single Saturday night to come. And then we could fill this place up. I don't know, one way or the other, I think that we could probably accomplish one or both. Let's do both. How about let's do both? But did it feel really good to have everybody all in, that, in the, the sound and the beautiful images? Wonderful. But the Spirit of God is what made it all work. And in the baptism location, you saw it. I don't know. I just want to watch that video every day. You know, it's like every time you see those guys and those ladies coming up out of the water, it, can't you just feel it in your spirit and just celebrate with it over and over and over again? Well, tonight we're celebrating that. We're also celebrating, well, I don't know if we can celebrate back to school. Can we celebrate back to school? Uh, I mean, we can something to celebrate tonight. Maybe maybe somebody in this room needs to give their heart to Jesus Christ and we can celebrate that. Let's do that. That's what we're really here to celebrate. I mean, we can celebrate paper, we can celebrate helping out schools and homeschool co-ops and all that kind of stuff. But really what we celebrate is when the one person that didn't know Jesus Christ comes to know him. That's the thing that we celebrate. More, that's what makes this all worthwhile. Isn't it, Luke? Absolutely. That's right. That's what makes it all worthwhile. This whole summer we've been talking about how the eternal God is our refuge and underneath us are his everlasting arms. And I, I don't know, in every season of life, we need God's arms underneath us, don't we? Now, I know that there's a lot of people in here that are parents, and there are a lot of people in here who are grandparents of students, and there's students, and there's there's there's. I know, sorry, tonight we're going to say back to school a lot. Um, Kendall, I'm sorry. I apologize, Shelly. Um, summer, it'll come back again next year. It will, just like Christmas happens every year and all that. It'll come back. But um, just, will you forgive us tonight? Okay. Parents, grandparents, students, I know that you're thinking about back to school a little bit right now, and I don't know about you guys, but when I think about going back to school, and tonight as we talk about this, I want to ask you this question. Whether you are a grandparent, or you know somebody going back to school, or you're going back to school, here's a question. In this season of back to school, what do you need God to do? What do you need from God? What do you need from God in your students, or in your grandchildren, or in your life to be about? It's not just about going back to school and getting the new clothes and the new glue. What do you need God to do? Guidance? Provision? Protection? Strength? What specific resistance from temptation, maybe, are you asking God to help you with, or your student with, or your grandchild with, or your friend with, the person you're praying for, as you go back to school? What specific prayers are you asking about? Whether you're homeschooled, you're going to an elementary school, middle school, or high school, our students need Jesus. And the protection of God all around. 
I remember going back to school as a kid, and in fact, I was a school teacher once, I don't know if you guys do this, but I, I was a school teacher, I taught biology for four years in high school. And uh, I remember my very first day um, of being a high school biology teacher, knowing that many of the students were gonna be smarter than me. <laughs> and getting ready to be doctors and, and, and go into school and college and all the college prep classes that I was supposed to teach these students things. And I was like, my goodness, why am I not a physical education teacher? <laughs> that was my major, and really all I want to do is teach kindergarten kids how to hula hoop. <laughs> because I don't know if you know this, but a kindergartner, throughout history, you can say anything is going to be fun and they will believe it. <laughs> kids, today we're going to stand in place for five minutes. <laughs> and it's gonna be so much fun. And they'd be like, yes, we're gonna stand in place for five minutes in gym class. High school biology students, you can't trip them. <laughs> so I tried. And we did labs that were fun. And this is what I said. I was a 23-year-old guy. And I didn't want to be bored. Who, who wants to be bored in class? And so I said to my students, hey, I don't want to be bored to you. So here's the deal. If you do what the syllabus says, and you do this and this and this and this and this, it will be the best day of your life every single time you're in this classroom. But if you don't, it will be the most boring day. And you will have writer's cramp beyond your possible imagination. Because my classroom, had a wall of dry erase on two sides, like this, where I could dry erase notes, a lot of notes. And that was not going to be fun. But I wanted to have a good time, so we did labs where we made Play-Doh and made cell organelles and things. Anyway, that being said, I remember back to school. And I remember <clears throat> that first day, and I was walking down the hallway, the bell rang, and it was time for me to go to my first class, and it was going to be that college prep class, and I knew they were smarter than me, and I went, all right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. But when you think about back to school, do you ever think about it when you were a, a kindergartner, your very first time ever? You, is that what you think of? When you think about going back to school, do you remember that first day ever, going to kindergarten or maybe your first homeschool class? Do you remember your first day of high school? Do you remember your first day of college? Or maybe you're a parent, do you remember your, ch your child's first day of kindergarten? Maybe that's what it is for you. What do you think about after school? What do you think? Do you think summer's over? Football's getting ready to start? I get some new school clothes? Um, I get to see my friends again? Maybe new school supplies? Oh, the school supplies! You get the new school supplies. I mean, how many of you guys get excited about new pencils? Like this? And if you're really lucky, you get the mechanical kind that you hit the top like this and you put it, and it just comes out the bottom and it never ends. You have to do this. Or maybe you get to do pens. Or what about, maybe you're the kid that got excited about erasers or glue. I remember the kid that came into class with those wedge things. He's like, how lucky are they? But they weren't actually lucky because they always get lost. They always get lost in the desk. Now, notebooks are a thing back in the day, but they're different now. They look more like an iPad. They're an iPad. Remember the notebooks when we were going to school? 
to have. Now our notebook is that. That this one costs 39 cents. This one costs $499. That's where we're at right now. Oh, but if you were really lucky, you got the cool Trapper Keeper. Do you remember the Trapper Keeper? Maybe you got the red one or the blue one, or if you're the really cool kid, you got the one that had the design on it. Maybe it was a little dog or something. The Trapper Keeper. Oh, yes. But these kids today, it's more about a new cell phone, or an iPad, or a computer, or definitely the backpacks. But when you think about back to school, what do you think of? You think about yourself, you think about your children, you think about your children's children, or maybe just somebody that you know. Maybe you're the teacher going back to school. Maybe you're the person that's helping administrate the school. But tonight, as we talk about going back to school, some of the things that Marcia talked about a few weeks ago, she used this scripture. She said, when we were doing the child dedication week, she said this scripture in Proverbs 22, 6, stir children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Isn't that true? God says it. When we start kids off in the way that they should go, the way of God, the way of, the, the way of scripture, the way of truth, even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Well, I just have to show you guys some of our back to school days. Look at this little guy. This is Daniel. This is Daniel's very first day of school. He always loved school. I get to go to school. Now, I could not find a picture of Dallas's very first day of school, but I remember it. Um, it was a wonderful day. He did not want to go. <laughs> but I found this picture of Daniel Dallas maybe the next year getting ready to go back to school. And you know what, through the years, we got, Marcia captured pictures of Dallas and Daniel, and you can see little Dallas growing a little bit at a time there, and then he's a little closer to being as tall as Daniel when they're in high school, he's getting ready to go to high school. First day of school pictures, oh, there it is. Daniel's senior year, I think, and uh, Dallas has caught up to him now. This is Dallas's day of his, first day of his senior year. Back to school pictures. You remember the back to school pictures? Oh, well, what about college back to school? Daniel's first day of college. Back to school. He's so excited. Dallas's first day at Warner. But then the next year, his first day at Mac U, where he transferred. And then all of a sudden, we're back to them being together. All those school pictures of them standing together, <clears throat> they got to do it another time as adults. How cool is that? The back to school moments. We all remember them, and we cherish them. But tonight, what do you need God to do underneath you with his everlasting arms as you head back to school? Deuteronomy 6, 5 7 says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Can we stop right there for just a second? Love God, live for him, live by the truth, Impress these truths of Scripture on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, basically all the time. In other words, talk about these things with your kids all the time. The influence of a mom and a dad talking about God and truth and Jesus and God's Word, the children and living it out, is more powerful of an influence than any other influence in the history of the world. Parents, that's our job. Now it's also the church's job. 
God created the church to help raise up people to be Christ's disciples. I can remember my mom, my own mom, and dad living out an example for me of life and faith, and my dad was a school teacher too, and a coach, and I saw that, but as far as like things of faith, my parents were our church's youth leaders, and then when I got into youth group, they were my youth, youth leaders, and I remember one time in a video that was being made for our church at the time, my mom was being interviewed, and they asked, what do you, what do you say, what do you need to do for the lives of students, and this was, her response was this, whatever we can do to help students, we need to help them. And so whatever we can do to help students, to help children be raised up in the faith as a church, as a church family, as a body of Christ, we must do that. God has called us to do that. We need to do all that we can to, to love and support every generation. But children and students, we must do everything we can possibly ever consider doing as God leads us to help them to own their faith and to know that Jesus Christ is a Lord and Savior. It is our job as parents to do that, and as a church, whether you're in leadership, or you're a mentor, or you're a youth leader, or you're a greeter at the door, or you're helping clean, well, it doesn't make any difference. If you are a part of the body of Christ, it is our job to help students know Jesus. Children in youth ministries are so Listen to this. LifeWay did some research in an article that they call Many Americans Left Church Attendance in Their Childhood. This is what they say. Half of U.S. adults, 50%, obviously, say they attended religious services every week growing up. And another 17 say they went, they went almost every week. Currently, however, only 22% attend each week and 9% show up almost that frequently. Most children today have a vastly different religious experience than previous generations. More than two in three, 67% of Americans say they attended religious services weekly or almost every week growing up. Similarly, 67 say when their parents were growing up, they attended at the same rate. Among current adults and children un with children under the age of 18, only 31% attend as regularly. But, there is still a generational divide that exists even among current adults. For U.S. adults under the age of 35, 58% say they went to church every week or almost every week growing up. Among those 35 or older, 75 report regular church attendance during their childhood. We understand these kinds of statistics and we see them all the time and we hear about them and we mention these kinds of things to the congregation, to the church, because they're important. They're trends that we see in America and around the world, sometimes even worse statistics. People are saying that the United States is catching up to become a post-Christian economy. We don't want that to happen. We want to see the flip side of this happening in the Church of God, Sarasota, and in the circles that we're running in. We want to see these statistics actually being flipped, or to continue to be on the rise. And we believe that can happen. I, I know it's hard. It is hard to, to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's always been hard. But it is our job, and what we're talking about tonight as a church, to help people understand the importance of faith, the importance of church and God and the Lord Jesus. Why is children's ministry important? 
George Barner, one of the world's leading statisticians, said in his book, Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions, Why Children Should Be on Your Church's Number One Priority List, says this, Moral foundations of children are generally, generally determined by the time the individual reaches age, you want to guess? Nine. Moral foundations of children are generally determined by the time an individual reaches age nine. Children's ministry is important. Our research confirms a parallel outcome in the spiritual dimension. By age nine, most children have their spiritual moorings in place. What does this mean? If you want to have an impact on the next generation, then you must do it by the age of nine. Now, we understand that people can come to know Jesus Christ. It's never too early, it's never too late. And we've seen people come to know Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior at many ages in this church, and we've seen them be baptized and say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. So we're not standing up here saying, oh, if it's not done by the age of nine, then it's over. No, it's not over. It's never over. It's never ever over. It's never too late. It's never too early. For somebody to say, you know what? I'm going to decide to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. You could do it tonight. It doesn't matter what age you are. If we only thought age, up to age nine could come to know Jesus Christ in this place, then why aren't we just all just doing children's ministry? No, we're all here. And we're growing, and we're learning, and we're developing our faith. And all of us have people that we are praying for that we hope will come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. But tonight, we see how important it is to help children and students own and know Jesus at a young age. He also says that their spiritual, listen to this, their spiritual identity will be set by the age of 13. Again, we're all growing in our faith. But to think that a person's spiritual identity, whether or not they believe in Jesus, whether or not they believe the Bible is true, and all of that, and who they are in Christ, and who God is in their life, will be set by the age of 13. We have a critical period of time to help these young people develop into spiritual champions. People that know their Lord and Savior personally, the relationship with Jesus. And people that will not, listen to this, people that will not run away from the church at a single offense or when hard times come. Let me repeat that. People that when they grow into being an adult person, that they will not, because their spiritual identity is in place and they believe it and it's theirs, not because somebody else told them to believe it, but they've made it their own. That when hard times come, they will not leave faith. Or if they get offended by something, they will not just blame God or blame the church and leave. But it's deeper. Listen, we as a church need to help children and students know God personally. And we need to help them own their faith as theirs and how to live it out in real life. Amen. As a church, we must do this. We must help children and students know that salvation isn't just a decision, but rather a relationship that when we teach, it's a relational perspective. Here's another note. Jared Kennedy said, 
Relationships with Christians who are ahead of them in their, faith, in their spiritual faith journey are more important to a children's faith over the long haul than any child-targeted program or state-of-the-art youth ministry facility. We can have the greatest facility in the history of the planet that looks great on the planet we're side. And all of that. But more than that, having Christians that are leading the way and mentoring them, their moms, their dads, their youth pastors, their youth counselors, their children's leaders, their workers, their pastors, their friends, the people in their church that are taking an interest in them and praying for them and showing them and living that out, or a specific person, that influences them more than in camp, any trip, any class, any program, any state-of-the-art facility. Now, all those things are important in their own context. But that influence can never be dulled. And in their research, Fuller Institute leaders Kara Powell and Chad Clark discovered that the number one way churches made teens feel welcomed was when members of the congregation, that's you, showed an interest in them. More than any single program or program, adults making the effort to get to know the kids was more likely to make the kids feel like a significant part of their church. up to us. It's up to you. It's our job. It's our call. It's our opportunity. And praise God that these things are happening here at Church of God Series. Praise God that we have a family of believers that love kids, take an interest in them, and students, and we'll do whatever we have to do I once saw this illustrated by one of my friends, uh, the importance of, of boxing a, a student in or a person in, in their life. Actually, I could, I'll just show that to you right now. Um, let's see. I don't know who, let's see. Just for our purposes of illustration, can I have a Bender family come up here? Yeah. Just come up here. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, guys. You're the next contestant on back to school. <laughs> All right. So we're going to pretend Jordan, Jordan, this is our classroom. Okay, you're right here. You're the main dude. You're the most. You, we are more in, interested in you than anybody else right now. Okay. Are you 20, 19? You're 19. So you graduated not too long ago. And so um, Jordan is a wonderful young man, and he loves. <laughs> he loves them. And he's trying to live it out. You know God personally. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I'm doing it. You believe your faith is yours, right? And you're working to live it out on earth. So in essence, what we're seeing here is a model for what we're talking about. And there are students who are coming from behind you that are looking up to you as an example. That's awesome. Okay, so he's in the middle here. So, the family is extremely important, has been since he was day one, day minus nine months, and even before that, and important to God since the beginning of time. And so, 
your all's influence in his life is more dynamic, important, and bigger than anybody else's ever could be. Good job. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Dad, come here. So we could put Dad right here in the front like this. You know, as one of the leaders of the home. Or we could put Dad behind him because he's always got his back. Like this. It doesn't matter. You can do front or get it up there leading the way in certain ways or back here, but for tonight we're gonna to do this. And mom. Truth is, mom's mom's really the one leading the way. <laughs> but mom setting the tone, loving, nurturing, helping, supporting, loving all the things that moms do in their kids' life all the time, right? And Jordan's in the middle of it. Oh, family, so important. But there's so much more to it than just this. We don't need just the family. We do, the family, this, if you have a strong family, you got it going on in the faith, for sure. But how much more strong is it if the family is a part of a body of Christ, a, body, a church, a church family that is also supporting and loving and pouring into the one in the middle? Aaron, come here. Real fast, so we're gonna put Aaron up here. So Aaron helps lead young adults, and so uh, Aaron's an awesome guy. And so we're gonna put Aaron right here beside him like this as a mentor. He is one of Jordan's like, loving, you know, speaking in, you know, hanging out, and you know that relationship. So he's got his, he's got his side. He's there for him. And then the church at large, Marshall, Dave, come here. And so here we are. And so. It could be a pastor, it could be anybody. She's just representing the church and all of that right now, right here on the side. It could be her, it could be one of you. It doesn't make any difference, but the church, the church, the church. So Jordan, you are now, you, you're boxed in. Let's say you're living life and you're deciding, you know what? Actually, I think I'm going to go that way because it looks like fun. There's temptation over there. It starts to go there. Oh, no, nope, mom. Yep, there you go. Yep, can't go. Okay. Yep, because she was praying. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they, they were aware, and they knew what was going on. Or maybe he's going to go this direction. Uh-uh, no, not going to happen. Or maybe he's like, I'm going to go back this way, but Dad's like, I got you. Back. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Listen, church. When our kids and our students and even us adults are boxed in with God and with family and with love and the things of God, we don't have a chance to go another direction. We will go where we're being loved and influenced to go. This is our opportunity. This is our chance as a family, as a church, as a family of God. Amen? Praise God. Way to go, guys. Way to go. I hope you get it, and I hope you understand it. Because here's why. We hear all this and we see it. We're going back to school, and this is what we hope for. I, I bet right now there's not a single parent or grandparent in this room that doesn't hope and pray for that for their child. Listen, it is possible. But I want to say this. Listen, I know, I know, we know, that sometimes family dynamics and situations are, are, are tough and difficult. And we are praying with you and we are praying for you, for your spouse or your significant other or your children. And maybe they're not in the same lane as you yet. 
but we believe that that can happen by the God, the glory and the grace of God, that that, your spouse, the one that you're praying for more than anyone else, can come alongside you to help lead your children. Amen. But we will do all we can to help. And here's another reason, the main reason why all this is important. Look, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Follow with me in scripture here as we look at some of this. These are some of the things that Jesus says about kids. Matthew 18, 1 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him. He didn't pull Peter he didn't pull John or James. Grab a little child. And placed the child among them and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And he called the child to him and he placed the child among them and he said, Truly, unless you change to become like this little child. How awesome is that? Therefore, anyone who takes this lowly position of the child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name, listen, welcomes me. That's strong words from Jesus about kids and about children. And then he says this, see to it that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. How powerful is that? You wonder if there's angels? Jesus said, the angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Guardian angels? Angels that are seeing angels and aware of what's going on in our life? Our kids, Angels always see the face of my father in heaven. And then he said this, and what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep, and he's, he's symbolizing sheep and us and children and kids all together here. What do you, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, if one of these kids, if, if Jordan started to wander off, or if any one of us started to wander off, or a child that's nine years old started to wander off, any one of us starts to wander off. Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? <laughs> he does. Jesus, the good shepherd, is the one who will leave all the rest of us behind who are safe and sound to go find the one who is lost. What do you think? If he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. And listen to this. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. Strong words. God, our Heavenly Father, Jesus, our Lord, says it. God is not willing that any one of these children should perish. He is not willing, it is not his will. 
Jesus said all these things to the disciples, answering them, and then the people. It's interesting that just a little bit later, the disciples forgot. Then people brought little children to Jesus for them to place his hands on them and to pray for them. And look, the disciples rebuked them. Are you kidding me? Jesus literally just said all this to the disciples. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Leave Jesus alone. No. Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus loves the little children. Always has. Always will. Children's ministry is important. Youth ministry is important. Whether we're going back to school or not. We think about going back to school and we think about the, the donation of we're gonna, we're gonna, the kids at schools are going to use this paper. There are kids going to be using computers. Everybody's going to have a backpack. We're going to have teachers writing on dry Well, I don't know if they, they do chalkboards anymore or not. Maybe they do, or dry erase boards, but this one happens to have a little thing here that says E and M. I'm just going to do this, right? Because I'm a teacher right now, and this is true. And so it's like we're going back to school, whether it's science class, or gym class, or recess, or lunch. Everybody loves lunch, recess, and gym class. It's a favorite. I always despised word problems in math. Whether it was on the ACT test or any other thing, when I start to read these problems, and it's like all these words, I'm like, like this, like this, for example. Rhonda has 12 more marbles than Douglas has. Douglas has six more marbles than Berlin has. Rhonda has two times the number of marbles than Berlin has. How many marbles does Douglas have? Douglas, I love you, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how many marbles you've got. I, I don't care, but if you really want to know the answer, Douglas, you have 24. <laughs> but when it's all said and done, nobody really cares how many marbles somebody has, and nobody actually really, 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 really look. When I went to school, the thing that I know more, that I learned more, that I actually use today, that I used for my whole life, is I took a keyboard and typewriter. I learned how to type. I still know how to use that skill. I use it every single day of my life. But how many marbles does Douglas have? I'm never going to use that in my life. It just doesn't add up sometimes. But going back to school now and in the future, ever, here's what really actually matters. Jesus loves the little children of the world, and his math is what actually matters. It's 99 plus 1. That's the word problem that matters. That's his idea that matters. It's 99 plus 1 equals 100. Everybody wants 100. Everybody wants 100. You want to go 100, you want to live 100, you want to be 100, you want to get 100 on the test. But Jesus, God's math is this. Matthew 18, we said it before. What do you think? If a man owns 100 sheep and one of them wanders off, will he not leave the 99 and go look for that lost sheep that wandered off on the hills? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. That's what matters. Back to school every day. In the same way, 
Your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Listen, every single person matters to God. Whether you are six years old, one year old, 80 years old, 90 years old, 35 years old, tonight, every single one of us matters to God. And if right now you're the one that is wandering off, God is not willing for you. If you know that, look, you're back, you're back to school days are long gone. But tonight, there's something going on in your heart, in your soul, in your life where you've kind of wandered. And all the rest of the sheep are back here, and Jesus, the shepherd, too. It's not, it's not God's will that you should stay lost. He will find you. Look, he's pursuing you. And he's going after you. It's so good to know that the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are His everlasting arms. And so tonight, as we go back to school, and we talk about it all, it is coming back to this grassroot idea that because He's not willing for the one to wander off and to be lost, and he is underneath us, and he's undergirding us, and he's trying to help us and lead us and support us. It is God's will that we even choose to let his loving arms to come underneath us and support us. So tonight, as we respond and as we pray and as we prepare to wrap up this service, we can say a couple of things. Children's ministry and youth ministry matter. Families living out faith in front of them and helping their kids to know Jesus really, really matters. It is the church's job to come together and support and to surround and to come around and love and support and help children and students of all ages to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And to also help parents to parent their kids, to help grandparents to grandparent their kids, and to be a church family that loves and supports one another in every way that we possibly can. And to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus died for us, he rose again three days later, and because of that, he is alive and he is our good shepherd and he's the one that comes and searches after us and we're the one that has gone off. Amen. Trying to bring us back so that we have 100%. The only way that that math adds up, the only way that that supernatural way adds up is if we let God work in our lives. And so tonight, if you are in need of anything at all, we want to encourage you as you respond and as you pray. There are more places here where you can come and kneel and pray. We will, if you want one of us to pray with you, I'll be over there. We'll, we'll be with you. Grab one of us. Otherwise, we'll leave you alone. You can light a candle over here. It represents Jesus Christ, the light of the world, praying for a situation. Certainly, you can just worship where you are. Here in a little while, we're going to be praying also a moment praying for students and parents and teachers and everybody getting ready to go back to school. But for now, this is your time to respond to God. Pray with me. Father, as we come before you and as we respond tonight and as we continue to worship you and we listen to you, oh Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would just help us to know. And God, we love you and we're so thankful 
because you're the one who will leave the 99 to search and find us individually. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity as a, as a church and as families to raise our kids up in the faith, to help them to know Jesus, to help them to discover faith and make it their own. And Lord, we just pray that in Jesus' name tonight, that if there's anyone who has a need of any kind, that you would work in our lives and help us because, Lord, you're the only one who can. We love you in Jesus' name.